chapter 3, and uh, if you would, let's stand, if you can. This is going to be a long reading, okay? So if you can't stand for a long time, just go ahead and be seated, and that's okay. I don't think that's dumb. <laughs> we, will, we will excuse that. Uh, so let's go to Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah 3. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasenaah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshullam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Banna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joiada, son of Paseah, and Meshullam, son of Besedei. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mizpah. Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon of Maranoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Raphaiah, son of Hur, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Haramath, made repairs opposite his house. And Hatash, son of Ashabniah, made repairs next to him. Malchijah, son of Harim, and Hashab, son of Pehath-Moab, repaired another section and the Tower of the Ovens. Shalem, son of Halohesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. The valley gate was repaired by Hanun and the residents of Zenoa. They rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Malchijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim. He rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalon, son of Kol Jose, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam by the king's garden as far as the steps going down from the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of a half-district of Beth-Zur, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites, under Reham, son of Benai. Beside him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Kilah, carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their fellow Levites, under Binuai, son of Henadad, ruler of the other half-district of Kila. Next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section. From the point facing the ascent to the armory, 
as far as the angle of the wall. Next to him, Baruch, son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Next to him, Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the entrance of Eliashib's house to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs in front of their house, and next to them, Azariah, son of Masiah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his house. Next to him, Binuai, son of Hanadad, repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. And Palal, son of Uzai, worked opposite the angle and the tower projecting from the upper palace near the court of the guard. Next to him, Pedaiah, son of Perosh, and the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate toward the east and the projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Emer, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the guard at the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalath, repaired another section. Next to them, Meshullam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate, and as far as the room above the corner. And between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, I pray that it's honored and that we can learn from this passage of scripture, uh, that we might understand what kingdom work looks like and that we might be a part of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. That gentleman did a wonderful job reading, didn't he? He didn't butcher not one of those words. So you, you guys see how I did, see why I did that, Mike? Yeah, smarter than the average bear. All right. So today we're going to look at kingdom work. And whenever I came upon this, I'm thinking, boy, how are we going to turn a sermon into that? You know, how are we going to? This is going to be really interesting. Um, and so I'm, as I'm reading along earlier this week, I, I realized, man, this is, this is an easy message. It, it really is. Um, and we're going to talk about kingdom work today. And um, Concord is known as a, as a working church. I mean, you guys work. We could sit here and talk about all kind of examples about how we get out and work in the community, work at your homes, uh, work at your jobs, and whatever like that. And so today we're going to look at different principles that may help you out in your community, in your home, in your workplace, or, or wherever it is, as we work for the Lord as a, as a Christian. And so the first thing we're going to look at today is that there is a purpose in our work. Purpose in our work. What might you think that the purpose for work is? A paycheck? To accomplish, to get something done? That's why I do a lot of things, to get something done. Sometimes I do something, and by halfway through, I forget what I'm doing. 
Um, that's probably a sign of got too much going on, right? Uh, purpose and work really is that God might receive glory. God gave us work, did he not? It's a good thing. Sometimes we're misled and people will say, well, the reason that we have work is because that Adam and Eve sinned. And that's not it at all. It's hard work, right, that we might have a hard time at it. But we're actually supposed to be working. There you go. Got an amen out of that one. This is why I am not a huge, huge fan of what we do sometimes with our government. Just kind of giving folks a free ride. Some folks need to be taken care of. Amen? Some folks not so much. But, but we need to work for the glory of God. And, and we shouldn't go to work and complain about those who don't work, right? We should be busy working when we're at work. Look back at Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17 in your Bibles. And you'll see what they're doing here. They're working for the glory of God. But also he says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble you are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And here it is right here. And we will no longer be in disgrace. They're a people of God. They're God's children. They're in disgrace. It's not just that we're having a hard time right now and we need to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and get going. But really, we, we represent God Jehovah. And by not putting this back together, we are disgracing Him. In church, let's take that to today. If we as a church, if it really takes us 54 members for one baptism, that's rough, right? I don't know how many people are here today, but it would pretty much take all of us to probably get one or two baptisms. One or two baptisms out of all of us sharing the gospel. What does that tell us? I'll tell you what it tells us. We're not sharing the gospel. Right? Carla and I listened to a preacher this last year. We went to a little evangelism conference at Little Bethel. And this guy was fired up. Uh, his, he's got a story in the paper in Kentucky today right now. Is 60% of his body was burned. Uh, he's a pastor at Hillview in, in Bowling Green. And he said after he survived that, that his passion for evangelism is just quadrupled. He says all he wants to do, he says when you're laying there almost dead, all you can think about is all the missed opportunities that you didn't share. And he said, Lord, if you let me live, please, if I can, if I can make it through this, I will have a, just a huge, and he has, a huge fervor. He kind of got after the pastors. And I know Carla probably felt kind of awkward. She was probably the only room in the, person in the room who wasn't a pastor. And he says to us, he said, if you're a pastor of a church, and your church has not baptized one person within the last year, that is 100% your fault. What kind of a pastor are you that you personally cannot lead one person to Jesus throughout the year? And I was like, oh, because I think there were guys in the room who hadn't led not one single person to Jesus. But we're special, right? I'm special. So I'm supposed to lead at least one person to Jesus, right? Right? Y'all see where I'm going with that? That's tough, right? 
you think, well, he's not special. God has, God has given Toby to us as pastor. He's supposed to train, to equip, uh, to, to lead in these things. But also, we're supposed to do these things as well. And it's for the glory of God. Not for the continuation of concord. Not that we might have nice things. That we might have tithes coming in and we can do this, that, or the other. It's that so we're glorifying God. And when we're not sharing the gospel, we're probably... You, can I say, Ina, that we're not glorifying God? Is that okay? Okay. We're, we're not glorifying God. When we know what's right, we know what we're supposed to be doing, and we don't do that thing. Check this out. Psalms 48.2. It is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Like the utmost heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. Right? God is receiving the glory from his city. Just like God is receiving the glory from you and I living a practical, holy Christian life and sharing the good news of the gospel. Psalm 87.2 The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. God loves these things. He delights in His holy city, His holy people. He delights in us when we are living a holy life, sharing the good news of the gospel. You know what? Some people are not going to listen to us. Like the lady that I was talking about this morning, earlier. Right? She probably thought I was a little, little crazy asking her that question. And there's no telling what she went and told her friends. And to be honest with you, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, what might happen to my food? Right? But more than that, I was thinking, I'm hungry. I don't care. I'll eat it. Y'all ever been that hungry? I just don't want to know. I'll just eat it, right? The purpose wasn't that they rebuilt the city like they were doing God this favor, but that they were being obedient as a people of God. Friends, just like the purpose for us isn't that we keep meeting and we keep the lights on, or that we keep this program going or that program going, but that we're meeting as brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we're growing in Him, and that we are taking the gospel message wherever we go. You know what happens sometimes we're not doing it? Sometimes we have sin in our lives. Y'all have that sometimes where you do something you ought not do and then you think, and Satan kind of beats you down. Look at you. You're the pastor of that church. You're supposed to be acting better than that. You know what I do then? I feel bad. And then I don't share the gospel with people. He does that to y'all too. He uses different things in your life. He beats you down. And then we feel so bad and we don't share the good news. But you know who has victory over Satan? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he has victory over him. And we need to remind Satan every now and again, hey, guess what, pumpkin? I'm not perfect, and you're defeated right now. My Lord Jesus has defeated you. He's redeemed me, and yes, I'm not going to do things 100% right all the time, but I want to follow my Lord and Savior. I'm going to put this over here. I'm going to repent of my sin, and I'm going to follow you. Church, that's what sometimes that we need to do. We just need to repent of our sins. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for whatever it is that I need to be sorry for. Help me to follow you so I can be used of you. Check out 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I'm not sure if it's, there it is up on the screen. 
So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Now, in the Corinthian church, they had kind of a little fight going on. You're not supposed to drink this. You're not supposed to eat this. You're eating too much. You're not, you know what I'm saying? You're not wearing the right suit today. Brother Toby, you're wearing Crocs with your suit. That ain't right. I'm not. Some of y'all looked up. Is he really? I didn't even notice. I told the guy yesterday that I was getting some new clothes. I said, I'm just going to wear some Crocs with my suit and see if they even noticed. Do it all for the glory of God. Right? We shouldn't be worried about what this side's doing or what this side's doing. If we're worrying about all that, we're not worrying about what God has for us and what we're supposed to be doing. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. We've got to take this one to heart where we are with Western Christianity. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. It's not all about tickling that ear. Right? Finding that right preacher that says that right thing. And we hear, we kind of get our spiritual high and we get our spiritual fill for the day. And then it's supposed to last all week long, right? And bring us into the next Sunday. Guys, I hear folks doing that. They rely on their experience at church to kind of make it through the week. And then they got to get another puff of Holy Spirit on Sunday. To get them going, right? The Bible says that we're supposed to gather together. We're supposed to worship Him as a body. Are we not? And then every single day we're supposed to be in the Word growing. Glorifying Him in all that we do. Working hard for the purpose of glorifying Him. We see a pattern in work. Pattern in work. There are certain assignments I really believe that one of the things that Satan is using right now in, in our Western church is, um, I don't know, it's just like excuses, right? I just become a Christian and so I, don't, I just don't know enough, right? I've been stagnant for a while and I don't want my lifestyle, people know me. Um, I've retired from my job, it's time for the younger folks to come along. Whatever excuse it is, we'll pick it up. There's a pattern in this. 1 Corinthians 12. Let me read this whole chapter. Now about spiritual uh, gifts, brothers, I do not want you to become ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God, says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kind of service, but the same Lord. There are different kind of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Every single one of us who are born again has this Spirit. To one there is given through the Spirit of a message of wisdom, another the the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kind of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts and Though all its parts are many, they form one body, and so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by 
one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now it goes on to say, you know, just because I have this, I don't need you on this side. Or, you know, we got this one, so you're not needed over here. Guys, all these gifts are needed. This is why the church body needs to come together and realize that we need to work together for the gospel. That we can't say, oh, that guy's got it, right? He's got, the, he's got the market on this one, so we better let him go with that. This is not true at all. This is sin. If we think we can come in the body and just kind of be spectators, this is not a spectator sport. Jesus has called us to die to ourselves, and pick up the cross, and carry it. Pick up the cross and carry it. What do we see? There's a pattern. There's usually a leader. In this text, the leader was obviously Nehemiah, and here in just a little bit we'll look at another leader, but there's usually leadership. There's always somebody who kind of rises to that position. I asked Dr. Brock, I said, you know, when you plant these churches in the, in the Philippines, how do, you, how do you find a pastor for all these churches? And he said, it's amazing. The Holy Spirit provides it within the group. So it's just automatically they'll come together, there'll be six or seven or ten or twenty, and there'll be somebody God gifts as, who's, who's just knows more about Scripture, who has a deeper hunger for that. Somebody who has that desire to shepherd, to train, and to teach. The Holy Spirit gives that. There's always a goal. There's definite patterns of, of work have a goal. We don't just like, we're not just busy about the house doing stuff just to be doing stuff, but there's a goal for it. Right? I hope that when y'all hear me preaching on Sunday, that's not just to come up here and fulfill my weekly duties that I might just kind of like do what I do and y'all go on. Right? I always have a point for my messages, and hopefully when y'all leave, it's, y'all get some of it. Right? There's a goal for it. Beverly, I like to garden. Who do you think the goal for my gardening is? The softball. For a harvest. Right? I hate weeds. I'm not growing a weed garden. I'm so lazy with weeding, I got, went to Larry's and got a whole bunch of pine needles and put them all down. I was like, whoop, there it is. Ain't weed no more. We go to work. We have a goal. We don't just like clock in and then go spin in circles all day and drink coffee. Well, by the way, y'all laughing, somebody does that at your job. Right? They're not working. Okay? Uh, they're just being allowed to do that, I guess. Brother or sister, when we're reading our Bibles, what's the goal? To learn something. Kind of nervous there, right? Well, we've got to fulfill our daily devotion thing. i got to check that off the list. Well, I did to flip the page and I did, the, I did the thing. Hopefully we can read slow enough to kind of get something. Right? I needed this for today. Pattern is a goal. Working for the king, we have a goal in mind. Do we not? It's to glorify him. We also see togetherness. This is for the glory of God. Togetherness. There's not too many jobs where you can go and just kind of work for yourself and never see anybody else. Right? Never talk to anybody, even if it's online. Right? If you're sitting in a, uh, a cubicle and you just never have to talk to anybody. You, you're going to have to go to a computer store and get a piece. Well, that's not true, is it, Joel? You can go to Amazon or wherever, right? But you've got to get out somehow. Uh, 
Mike does a lot of farming with cattle. I don't know nothing about that. But I know you've got to see some folks, right? Togetherness. And as a church, we're not like doing this little group over here, and this one's doing this, and this one's doing that. But as a church, we're doing this, this, and this as a whole for the glory of God. So whenever we think of our little group here, we need to be thinking about how is what I'm doing in this little class, in this little group, in this little study, how might it glorify the kingdom? How might I bring more folks into this? How might I work with this group over here? Togetherness. We see people in work, and God uses all kinds of people. We see the rulers and priests. This is Nehemiah 3, uh, 1 and 12 through 19. I'm not going to read those. We see men and women, Nehemiah 3, 12. There's professional craftsmen in Nehemiah 3, 8. 332, people from outside the city, Nehemiah 3, 2, 5, and 7. There's all kinds of people. So we can't, going back to that excuse thing, however God has gifted you in whatever stage of life you are in right now, God wants to use you right where you are. You know, to be honest with you, I wished I'd recognized that a whole lot earlier in my life. I remember there was a point in my life where I, I kind of thought, well, I just need more knowledge in this for me to do this sort of thing when I really didn't that I could take what God had given me and still do that thing Uh, we've got some homebound folks or folks that just can't leave a whole lot Uh, these are our prayer warriors these are folks that write cards these are folks that can call we've got folks that are on the road a lot they might say you know what I have a hard time getting to church on on Sunday these are the folks that when they're on the road that they can listen to all kind of teachings, that they can do some kind of internet ministry, they can do a phone ministry. There's all kind of things that we say, well, I can't, I can't, I can't, but instead of how can I do this, God uses all kinds of people. Leaders must set the example. Verse 1, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated and set the doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hanael. Leaders must set the example. We look to our leaders. They must be hard workers. Right? Our pastors, our deacons, our, our Sunday school teachers, our director of mission, whatever you want to look at, they've got to be the hard worker showing other folks what this looks like. And why? Because chapter 3, verse 5 tells us, next to them the Tekoites repair, but the nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. There are some folks who just won't work. Right? You can, like, browbeat them. You can give them the guilt trip. They're just not going to do anything, right? They're just not going to. Some are going to do more than others. Verses 11, 19, 21, 24, 27, and 30. They didn't stop where they were. They kind of built a little over here, and they said, all right, I'm done. What's next, right? Where else can I help? I'm not real good at this, but can I help you? Do you need, like, bricks? Can I bring you some nails? Right? I just want to work for the glory of God. This is why some of you are in ministries here at Concord that you might think, I'd rather not do this, but I know we need this. So I'm going to do this. And not only am I going to do it, but I'm going to put a smile on my face until hopefully God calls me to something else that I might like a little better. Right? Because you want to work for the glory of God. 
some work at home. Nehemiah 3, 10, 23, and 28 through 30. If we can't leave the house, don't be discouraged. God will use us right where we are. Listen to this quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. The power of prayer can never be overrated. They who cannot serve God by preaching need not regret. If a man can but pray, he can do anything. He who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Isn't that amazing? That we'll say, I just can't get out, I can't do, I can't whatever. Whenever we can pray. Charles Spurgeon says we have heaven and earth at our disposal when we are praying to the Lord. Some work harder. Verse 20. Look at Ecclesiastes 9.10. Or listen. Or yeah, look up on the screen there. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are doing. Do it with all your might. You know what blows my mind? This isn't in my notes at all. It just absolutely blows my mind that we as Christians will do everything else hard, right? We'll hunt hard, won't we, Corey? We'll go out and buy the stuff. We'll make sure we have shells. We'll check the moon phases and all kind of things, you know, look for predators and whatever we're hunting for. We'll go to work. We will put a hard day in, right? Come home dirty, smelling like work. Uh, we'll, do our, we'll do our hobbies and all. We'll put time in. We'll work hard. Where am I going with this? But we won't do it with our brothers and sisters of Christ, will we? Guys, let me encourage you. We're working hard at work? Yes. We're working hard hunting and fishing, doing our hobbies? Yes. Do those things. Who wants to see a lazy fisherman? I mean, I like to just kind of sit out there and kick my heels up, but I want to catch something, right? Or a lazy hunter, or a lazy person who clocks in every day. You know what's worse than that? Is the lazy Christian. Shame on us if that's us, the lazy Christian. Check out Proverbs 18.9. We'll close with this. This is from the New Living Translation. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. What about that? That's what God thinks about lazy people. You just as well tear stuff up because that's what you are. What we're doing is we're tearing up the kingdom of God when we're lazy with what God's given us. If we can just say, you know what, I've been baptized and I've been saved, glory, hallelujah, at that, at that revival. Man, it was wonderful preaching. I'm done. Well, until we do it, right? Let the deacons have at it. Let Sunday school teacher go. But guys, he's calling us to work and to work hard for him. On the way out, we have some red books, some red uh, good news for you books on the wooden table. And in the back on chapter 7, it has a wonderful um, illustration about salvation. It has a wide road and a narrow road. And Jesus says, Wide is the road that leads to hell, uh, and many will be on it. And narrow is the road that leads to salvation. Through Christ alone is how we get to heaven. Through Jesus alone. If, if you're trying to 
think, you know, am I, am I even born again? Um, you know, Brother Toby kind of stepped all of, my, all of my toes today. This is kind of how I live. Uh, grab one of those red books and turn to that illustration. And you'll see the wide road. It says something like, um, uh, I'm depending on my baptism or what the church says or what my family said or what the preacher said. I've never repented of my sins and followed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That red book will show you exactly what to do. And what you do is you repent and believe the gospel. Uh, and if you say, you know what, I can't wait to get that red book. I want to talk right now. During our time of invitation, why don't you come and say, Toby, this is me. I need to come to Christ. What do I do? How do I become a sold-out believer uh, for Jesus? Father, we love you. We pray that, uh, that we